Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've been a park ranger in a national park that's located in the United Kingdom. England for just over 10 years. I'm not going to tell you which one or even the county of which it's located for the sake of my job as I still work here, but there are some pretty weird things that you find every so often while on ship. Things that my superiors would likely not appreciate me sharing online. My job mainly involves patrolling the trails and checking that they're all in a safe state for people to walk through. I was also asked to talk with school children in assemblies and such after about a year on the job to express how important it is to stay with the group and on the trails. I gave pretty obvious reasons for this, but little did I know I would soon discover some of the horrifying truths as to why they should never wander off. The first story I'm going to share with you took place on a beautiful spring morning in June, I think. This was during my first year on the job. The sun was still low in the sky, but it was slowly rising and brightening my surroundings. 
I was on a normal morning patrol through one of the deeper trails as it hadn't been checked recently in protocol to frequently check all the trails for fallen trees and any potential natural hazards to hikers. It was such a beautiful morning. I remember walking along with a slight smile on my face as I listened to nature waking up in the trees and I found the cool breeze very relaxing and it had a truly peaceful effect on my mood. Suddenly the trees to my left were filled with the sounds of birds squawking loudly as they frantically flew away. I stopped and listened for a moment. Silence. A quote from another story I have read here reads very true to this situation. Prey is silent when predators are near. Now, understand that we don't have any bears or wolves here in England. Nothing like that, so I supposed it could be a deer that had snapped a twig. However, the noise wouldn't usually drop like that, as deer don't pose much of a threat to wildlife at all. I continued on, not thinking anything of it, and after a short time, I got the urge to check behind me. There was a man walking maybe 100 meters back, and I was on a long straight, so it was easy to tell. I was confused, as the trails aren't usually used until a little later when early dog walkers would show up, and even then few would wander this far into the woods at this time. He seemed to be walking at a very relaxed pace. His hands in his dark blue hoodie's pockets, and he had faded blue jeans. I radioed over to ask if anyone had seen someone enter the trail I was walking shortly after I left, but no one had seen anyone come in or out other than the occasional dog walker. I thought nothing of it, but continued on at a slightly hurried pace. I usually wouldn't be bothered about being out on my own with another stranger. I wasn't a small bloke nor someone to get spooked easily. However, this guy just gave me a bad feeling. I was approaching a gate that leads to a much denser area of the woodland, more like a thick forest, and as I closed the gate behind me, I noticed this man had stopped dead in his tracks. He seemed to be staring right at me, but I couldn't be sure. Then he broke into a sprint, not a light jog that someone out for exercise might. I'm talking a full-on sprint. It was almost aggressive. I freaked out and turned to run. Why would a complete stranger who was previously so calm and relaxed suddenly be sprinting at me? He hadn't called for help or even waved to me. Fortunately, the trail's long straight section was over and I ran round the curve and hid behind one of many large rocks that were by the side of the trail. I could hear his heavy footsteps thudding towards me right until he was just on the other side of the rock and he stopped. Again, dead in his tracks. He wasn't even out of breath. He just seemed to stand there for a while and then just walked off. I waited for what must have been close to ten minutes to be sure he was far ahead and radioed the strange encounter to my colleagues, who agreed it was strange, and I cautiously continued on with my patrol. I never saw that strange man again, and I hope I never do. I have many more memories I would like to share with you. Stay safe out there, kids. You are rarely truly alone in the forest. Hello everybody, my name is Denver Dark. I'm 19 years old, fresh out to high school, working as a park ranger at Caledon State Park in Virginia.
My job is pretty easy. I don't usually patrol the park. My job is to sit in a radio room and wait for people to call in if they need assistance. This can range from someone needing the bathroom door unlocked to a drunken fight. A couple of months ago, though, I had an encounter with some type of creature or maybe even an alien. I'm not sure at this point. This forever scarred me, and I will always be paranoid of the forest. It was a normal evening at the park. I looked over at the clock on my desk as it clicked over to 6 p.m. Well, here goes to another night by myself, I said out loud as I saw all of the other park rangers packing up to leave. Another hour passed, and as I was eating my dinner, static started coming through the radio. After a couple of seconds of just the static, a girl's voice started to come through. Hello? Hello? Mm. Is anyone there? I paused for a second after chewing another bite of my food. I had never heard anything like this over the radio before, so I picked it up. Hello? This is Officer Dark Ear. Yes, she yelled before continuing her sentence. Please help me. Something is chasing me. I was dumbfounded. The creepy part was she didn't say someone she said something. I quickly calmed myself before responding. Calm down, miss. Tell me where you are so I can send help out immediately. I'm at the old watchtower on the northeast side of the park. I ran here after it chased me out of my cabin. Please, please send help. I think it's close. It's all right, miss. I'll send help out, Emmy. I was cut off by her shot. I stopped talking, listening to the radio. Then I heard a very soft but aggressive growl come from the speaker. Oh, God, it's here. As she finished her sentence, I heard a crash of a window and a large thud on a wood floor. The radio cut out. I was in complete shock. Did I just witness someone die? After about a minute of me being absolutely glued to my seat with terror, I started to gather a plan in my head. I spun. Around in my chair and grabbed the old park map off of the desk next to me. I unfolded it frantically, scanning it, looking for an old watchtower. There it was on the northeast side of the park, just like she said. To the looks of it, it would take me about an hour to walk there. I got up from my chair and walked over to the gun cabinet, unlocking it with the keys I had in my pocket. I grabbed the first gun I saw, a 12-gauge shotgun along with some extra shells. I also saw the flare gun on the top shelf and decided to take that too. Before leaving the station, I made sure that I had everything that I needed. Shotgun, flare gun, flashlight, radio, pocket knife, and the map. I'm not gonna lie. I was scared to go out into the woods after that whole event. I also hated the idea of being alone, but I knew I couldn't just sit there and do nothing. As I exited the station, I was greeted by the cool breeze and a beautiful sunset of a summer evening. All of the night bugs and animals started to come out. I could hear the calling of the cicadas in the trees while the crickets buzzed below them on the ground. It's weird because you wouldn't think that such a breathtaking scene could hold such horror that the lady experienced. Since it was a long walk, I started moving at a faster pace than I normally would. As I was about ten minutes away from the tower, everything changed. Once an amazing sunset now turned the forest into a pitch black that no person could see into, along with a deafening sound of silence as the cicadas and crickets stopped chatting. 
This was extremely odd. I had been in this forest many times at night, and nothing like this had ever happened. A few more minutes of walking later, and I saw the old watchtower. It was about 70 feet tall or so, with a hut at the top of it. The watchtower had seen its better days. The wood looked very old, with it being damp and cracked in many spots. At this point, I was at the base of the tower, right before I was about to go up on the first step. I got the worst feeling I have ever felt. My head started to spin. I was very nauseous and started to see stars. As this continued, I thought I was going to pass out as the darkness around my eyeballs started to grow. Everything stopped. I was normal again. Except for one feeling, it felt like something was staring at me. I swear I could feel its eyes piercing into the back of my head. Its glare almost felt sharp, like a knife had been jammed into my side. I spun around as quickly as I could, holding the shotgun in front of me. Nothing. There's nothing I thought. Until I scanned the tree line in front of me about fifty or so feet out. Oh, my gosh, I let out as I see deep in the forest. A pair of two vibrant green eyes staring at me. I was struck with fear. My eyes not being able to leave the site, my feet almost cemented in the ground. After about a minute of me staring at it, it winked at me. It winked at me. After this, the eyes disappeared and went back into the brush. I didn't know what to think. The only thing that I knew was not to stay in that spot. I ran up the old wooden stairs as fast as I could. But then I remembered the radio call I'd gotten earlier. I prepared myself for a bloody scene. But when I reached the top of the steps, the hut was empty. No blood. No body. No lady. The most disturbing thing of all, though, was it looked like this place hasn't been touched in years. The floors and desk in the room were both completely covered in cobwebs and dust. A large radio sat on the desk. It must have been the one that came through to mine, but that too was engulfed by the webs. Something very strange is happening. I just couldn't figure it out. On the edge of the desk was a stack of very old newspapers. My curiosity took over and I picked one up. Date, 1978, headline, Woman attacked and killed by the Wampus Cat. Locals say, this didn't make any sense. This couldn't be the same lady I just contacted. I needed to find out more, so I kept on reading. The next thing that I read sent shivers down my spine. The Wampus Cat resembles a very large black panther most known for their very bright green eyes. My blood ran cold. I needed to get out of this place right now, right as I shoved the newspaper into my pocket and was ready to run. It was too late. Before I could turn around, I heard a sound. That same damn bone-chilling growl I had heard on the radio. I turned around as fast as I could, raising my shotgun. There it was, the beast itself. The wampus cat, this cat was massive quite possibly the biggest mammal I'd ever seen. It stood on all fours at a staggering height of at least eight feet tall. It had deep old scars all over its body, probably from people like me. Its paws were the size of small dinner plates and didn't forget its face. The lips were completely barred back, showing its dinner knife-like fangs, and the most important thing of all those dang green eyes almost starring into my soul. I didn't waste any time and pulled the trigger, sending a slug at my target. I landed the shot, but it barely did anything. The cat staggered back when the slug hit him. But that's about it. 
How is this thing still alive? The round had left a bloody hole in its torso about the size of a dollar coin. But alas, the creature was pretty much unfazed. I decided to run for it, booking it to the exit, only to be stopped by the huge feline pouncing on my back and pinning me to the wood floor. The beast raked its long claws across my back, leaving an extremely painful wound. It felt like I was being burned with a hot iron. I could feel my shirt already being soaked with blood. I managed to flip around on my back to face the beast, holding its head away from my face. Although I was able to keep its head at bay, I wasn't with the paws. It started swiping at my face, leaving those searing claw marks on me again. I tried to reach for the shotgun on the ground next to me, but I wasn't able to. Blood from the gashes started to seep into my eyes, stinging them, not allowing me to see. With nothing working and all of the blood I was losing, I started to give up. There was no point I couldn't overpower this thing. And right when I was about to give in, thinking about all of my friends and family, an idea sparked into my head. I reached in my pocket and pulled out the knife I had forgotten about. I flipped the blade open and immediately stabbed the cat in the neck with it. The beast reared back in pain, leaping off of me. This was my only chance to escape. I quickly got up and snatched the shotgun before sprinting down the stairs. I had a head start, but the cat was catching up as I reached the bottom. It was already halfway down. I didn't have any time to spare. I ran immediately to the trails, not looking behind me. I could hear the big, heavy footsteps of the beast on my tail end. I knew eventually it was going to catch up, so I turned around, pumping two more slugs in it, staggering it again. I could tell it was hurt because it was moving a lot slower. I fired again in its direction, landing another shot with a bloody splat. Then the cat stopped running, turning around and slowly jogging the other direction. It finally gave up. This didn't stop me from sprinting back to the station. I used every bit of strength and willpower to make it back. As I busted through the door of the building, the biggest wave of relief came over me. I had won. I had beaten that thing. After attending to my wounds and grabbing a glass of water, I sat down in my desk chair, thankful to be alive. While reaching into my pocket to take out my phone, I felt paper. Ah, the newspaper. I pulled it out, scanning the article once again, realizing that I missed something before. The woman's body was found in the watchtower of Caledon State Park, her body even missing some of her limbs. Even though she was killed, many of the people in the park say they can still hear her calling for help, just like that same night she was murdered. I was completely shook. I didn't know what to think. Was it a ghost or maybe a spirit? And right as I put the newspaper down, the radio buzzed, playing that same voice that started this all. Hello? One night I was out in the woods hunting around 1 a.m. and found this weirdly mangled deer carcass near a tree. About one hour and 50 minutes later I was walking back to my truck when I saw that it was shaking violently, so I ready my rifle. I then saw that it was a bear-like creature shaking my truck. It stood up on its hind legs and growled at me before running off into the woods. When I got a look at the creature, it had long arms, and its claws were around three inches long. It had pointed ears like a German shepherd, muscly shoulders and legs. 
in a wolf-like snout with a short nub tail. On a camping trip with friends in the backwoods of southern Georgia at my cousin's grandfather's property, really old site, he didn't maintain it well, there was a large cabin or meeting house, lots of property, a lake in a large wooded area that we liked to explore. There was a river that wound through the woods and we built huge forts along it. We camped by the shore of the lake. It was low, but on the opposite shore. A huge ridge rose with trees on either side. It reminded me of a carriage road. On our first night there, we stayed up until about one. I needed to use the bathroom, so I went to the meeting house since we slept in tents. It was a wood-paneled ancient building full of animal heads. Dark with few working lights. I stepped in, turned on the light, and paused. The animal heads had all positioned to be facing the door. Unnerved, I used the restroom, stepped out only to find them looking right at me on the other side of the room from where they were looking last. I ran out terrified, then realized I hadn't turned off the light. I looked back and was about to open the door to shut off the light when through the blinds I saw a black menacing figure in the corner of the room. This time the heads had swiveled to face it. Then of its own accord, the light shut off. I ran to my tent and zipped myself up. I didn't sleep much that night. The next day we were exploring the woods and discovered two places that, unbeknownst to us, would be the most terrifying places we had ever been later that night. We had built the fort along the river earlier that day, and were following the river up when we came across a peculiar structure. A large triangular fort-like place made of what appeared to be tree roots. It was like a lean, too, and was covered on the sides and top like a pyramid but one side was slightly open like an entrance. Near the structure in an opposite triangle were three very deep holes. We were careful not to step in these. Inside the structure was a triangle, like object on the floor, made of what appeared to be finely whittled wood, very old and covered in an unrecognizable hieroglyph-type writing. We chose not to disturb this, but to mark the spot and give us an observation point, we laid logs across a nearby ditch in a Vietnam-style dugout and placed some large sticks with flags tied to them on top so we could see the colors and know the spot. Then we found the ridge. The ridge started deep in the woods, almost parallel to our campsite, then wound to the lake and made up most of the opposite shore. We walked along it for about 15 minutes and noticed that the path was like a tree tunnel and the fallen leaves were well trodden, the path flat, like a carriage trail. All of a sudden we saw in the middle of the path an RV, not just any RV, but an ancient RV. From like the 60s, like a van, we walked up and inspected it. It was filled with dust, and the inside had obviously not seen daylight in years with prominent sun marks on the seats. And yet the inside was full of large boxed packages and files. I tugged on the handle and tried to enter to my friend's delight. The door gave way, and I found a file sitting on the seat. It was very dusty, so I slapped it against the dash, and the dust fell away to reveal very faded letters. The only non-faded or humidified characters were the large, bold printed letters at the top. 
It read GA Site 16. Anomalous behavior detected. Structures common, manifestation present. Keep high alert level. I noticed the boxes and pulled one over, opening the lid. It had a bunch of the finely whittled sticks, a gooey black substance in a jar, and what appeared to be an etched, polished metal sphere. The note in the box read, Station unsafe, will begin remote monitoring. Situation still undefined. No further progress. Holes still prevalent. I was very puzzled, so I pulled over another paper lying on the seat. It seemed newer than the others, but still old with a hole running along the edge. The decaying carcass of a bug lying stuck to the paper. I picked it up and read, Guy Site 16 Weekly Instruction, Inspect Lake Floor in Direction Bravo. Owner expected to arrive soon. Be ready to stow equipment. Another structure has appeared 0.6 miles away from your post direction, 223. I assumed the structures were referring to the wooden site, and that manifestation could refer either to weird occurrences or the black figure I had seen earlier. On our walk back, me and my friends felt like we were being watched, and I turned around to see a black figure dark behind a tree. We began to sprint, and I kept seeing it in my periphery. However, later that day, we were brainstorming what it might have been, and I realized that the neighbors breeded black labs, and that the figure I saw was probably one of his dogs chasing us. We went fishing that afternoon, and I caught a large black eel, slick and eyeless. It had large teeth and tried to snap at my fingers. I threw it back terrified, and it went back into the water. I discovered later that eels were not supposed to be living in that lake, and their appearance was unexpected. There was not a species nearby that matched what I had seen. That night we played manhunt, and I went deep into the woods and hid with a friend in the dugout we built near the structure. About ten minutes into hiding, it's about 11.30, we saw a large black figure about ten feet in height, rise from the structure and start walking slowly towards our dugout. It was a load to the ground. Dugout with a entrance in the front and the back. We sprinted out the back entrance and towards our tents. We turned and saw the creature sprinting after us, catching up quickly. Suddenly the creature stopped and looked at the ridge like behind it at a very specific spot. It was a spot about three hundred yards beyond the RV. Suddenly, there was a muzzle flash from the ridge, and the creature started getting pelted with rounds of some caliber. It screeched and began sprinting up the ridge, passing the RV in seconds. As it passed, the lights flickered on in the RV and then off again. The creature was beyond view in the darkness, but we heard screams of someone fat along the ridge. We slept inside the meeting house that night, and a thunderstorm rolled in. I woke up about 4 a.m. to see the creature standing about 10 yards away from the cabin windows head obscured. I did a double take and it was gone. That morning we took some knives and walked to where the screams came from the night before. We could see that the shots had come from what we now realized was the neighbor's property. He stumbled over about 10 o'clock the next day to say that he had shot at the creature, thinking it was gonna go after his dogs. He was a fervent conspiracy theorist and thought it was Bigfoot. It had come after him, and he went inside his house and hid in his upstairs. 
Later that day, we saw a fire coming from the ridge and saw that the structure had burned to a crisp. That night, we were sitting in the pickup truck bed and saw the RV turn on and drive off the ridge into the lake. Before it hit the water, the water rose up as if to grab the RV and it was swallowed up. We freaked out, never camped there again. Back in or about 1958, I was 18 years old and on the guided missile cruiser, the USS Canberra. We were doing naval exercises in the English Channel, about 300 miles off the coast of France. 80 to 150 various naval craft from many different countries were participating in the exercise. I was on watch as a seaman and saw this large gray metallic cigar-shaped craft come towards the ship through my binoculars. It was described as a fast-moving target, according to radar, traveling 5,000 miles per hour. As the craft neared us, it slowed down and stopped over us. It was hovering at 35,000 feet, about 15 miles from us. It was as big as a football field. It stayed hovering over us, and when we turned, it turned. This went on until my shift ended for about an hour. The craft was metallic gray with no lights and no features on the skin of the craft. When I was relieved of duty, I got some refreshment and came back topside to watch it further. It had just left going east towards Europe. When it first appeared, it seemed to have come from the tip of Scotland by way of Norway over the sea. Afterward, I went to the bridge to look at the logbook to see what had been recorded about this incident. Nothing was mentioned about the UFO and the handwriting and ink were identical to both separate listings in the logbook. Very unlikely since the same person and pen would not have made both entries. The next day we pulled into port in England and nothing was ever said about the incident. I was in the Navy from 1956 to 1976. A few years ago, I took my husband to the local emergency room after he complained of severe groin pain. It is a small community hospital here in South Texas. I was directed to the waiting area while the doctor took a look at him. It was around 1 a.m. in the morning and no one else was in the waiting area, so I took a seat to wait until I could go back in and see him. I had been sitting for a while watching the waiting area television when a young woman wearing a cervical collar walked in and sat down near me. We smiled at each other. She was telling me that she hoped that she could be seen soon because her neck was bothering her. She picked up a magazine and opened it, but we continued to talk. She told me that she had recently moved to our community from Florida and that she received the neck injury while driving. Another vehicle had broadsided her about a week previous. After a while, a nurse came by and looked over at us and stopped. While looking at me, the nurse asked if there was something wrong. I answered, no, we are just talking. The nurse looked at me as if I was nuts. Then she said, there is no one in here but you and me. I looked over at the young woman, smiled back at me, and just slowly vanished. My mother and two brothers were at home on a ranch in Marathon County, Wisconsin in 1967. I was eight years old at the time. I was a very active kid and did not nap at that time of day, 
but this day I was inclined to nap as well as my brother. My mother recalls the door opening and felt someone approach her from behind, but does not recall much else, or at least will not admit remembering. My father owned a cheese business and normally returned home at about 5 p.m., but this day he arrived at about 3.30 p.m. I woke a few minutes before he arrived. He ran into the house shouting, Come out here, look at this. A craft was disc, shaped and hovering above a tree near our house. It was about 50, 60 feet from the house, and the tree was about 18 feet tall. It hovered there for a while, then it began to move over our vehicle and toward our driveway. My father told everyone to jump into the vehicle, and we followed it out to the highway. Our driveway was about half mile long. When we approached the highway, I could see my friend across the street and his father. They did not appear to see it. It matched our speed, but was about 150 feet off the highway over a field. It seemed to disappear when we approached the forest. But when breaks in the forest or dips or valleys appeared on the terrain, the craft had matched our speed and was still there. We followed the craft to the main highway into Walso, Wisconsin, and at that time it abruptly took a right angle turn. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...and took off at a slight angle upward and quickly disappeared. It all seemed so surreal looking back. My mom is willing to admit the event, but my dad is not so willing. The funny thing is, he was excited at the time, but did not want anyone to say anything, and it seemed to be forgotten. I also recall round areas in the backyard where the grass was dark, and the grass eventually died where the round spot was. Been sailing off and on for about seven years now just about 20,000 nautical miles under my belt, and have had some wild, crazy things happen. Ship struck by lightning in the North Atlantic, which fried most of the electronic nav equipment, though it didn't cause a fire, thankfully, and no one was injured. We were able to restore the GPS and were only a day from our next port. One time in the Caribbean, we were almost boarded by lobster fishermen who pulled alongside us sometime during the 4-8 watch and started throwing lines onto our deck with no warning whatsoever. I was asleep when it started, but the yelling woke me up pretty quick. I fish whenever time allows me. I'm landbound, so it's not 100% relevant to your question, 
But there still are creepy things that happen while fishing. To clarify, I enjoy fishing to striped bass, and since they are nocturnal, much of the fishing happens after sundown to sun up. Many times the water makes strange sounds and shapes against the pitch blackness of the night sky. Also, any light source is said to spook fish. So most fishing is done in pitch blackness. I've been startled by other fishermen walking by, but many will announce themselves when walking. But I have seen one fisherman who looks really old and never says anything wearing bright orange walk by many places at different places. Just walks by no fishing gear happens several times. Other people have seen him, but no one knows who he is. Old timers says he's a ghost. Oh, speaking of ghosts. There's man-made rock piers called jetties. There's one here in New York that has a ghost of a child who died while fishing there. On dark nights around 3 a.m., you hear him whispering. This is my spot and see a small figure near the tip hand lining a fish. It happens often enough that on another forum of fishermen, someone found a newspaper article from the 1800s showing a child die there fishing for food for his family, but died most likely slipping on the jetty and falling in. I've seen crazy light shows, which I believe are USOs or UFOs. Also, seeing bright shooting stars is pretty awesome. You seldom see in the city. Many times a thick fog comes over and you lose cell phone reception and can't see left from right or even five feet ahead. Can't hear or see. Very, very scary every time. Being on a beach in darkness with fog. Not knowing which way is which. I always fear what might come out of the water. At night it just looks like a black blanket that's alive and shifting. But this adds to the fun of being out there. This will get buried and isn't necessarily along the lines of most stories. Back home, a father and son went offshore to do some scuba diving about 30 miles out. They were anchored and off the boat and both began to run out of oxygen, so they started to head back to the boat, father leading son. When the father got back on the boat, he turned around and the son was gone. Coast Guard was called and he was never found. The son was weighted down and possibly had cardiac arrest, but there's never going to be a clear answer. He's just gone, and no body was ever found. We were in the heart of the Wildflecken, Germany, on a field training exercise, FTX, with the German military. It was one of those moments where nature decided to make its presence felt in the most unexpected way. I was a young private eager to prove myself, but I never anticipated the encounter that was about to unfold. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows over our camp, I found myself needing to relieve myself. I sauntered away from the group, my trusty Humvee standing sentry nearby. The woods were eerie, the silence only broken by the rustling of leaves and the occasional hoot of an owl. I was doing my business taking a moment to appreciate the peace when something caught my eye. My stream abruptly ceased as I turned my head. There, not more than fifty feet away, was a sight that sent a chill down my spine. 
A wild boar with tusks easily six inches long stood there glaring right at me. My heart raced as the boar began to snort menacingly, its demeanor turning increasingly aggressive. There was no mistaking the threat in its stance. My mind raced as I considered my options. Tannic was not an option. The last thing I needed was to be known as the guy who got mauled by a boar while taking a leap. With a calmness that surprised even me, I swiftly tucked away my private male part, circled around my trusty Humvee, and took off. I could feel the adrenaline surging through my veins as I sprinted away from that boar at a high rate of speed. The thud of my boots on the forest floor seemed to echo in my ears as I looked over my shoulder to make sure the boar wasn't closing in. I couldn't help but curse my luck. Boars, as I would later learn, are not the docile creatures that some people might think. They can easily weigh over 200 pounds and are known to charge at the drop of a hat, seemingly for no reason at all. It's amazing how something so seemingly innocuous could become so menacing in an instant. As I finally rejoined my comrades out of breath and a little shaken, I recounted my close encounter with the wild boar. Laughter erupted among my fellow soldiers, and my nickname, Boarbait, was born. It was a badge of honor I would carry with me for the rest of my time in the military, a reminder that even in the most routine moments, the unexpected can happen, and survival depends on quick thinking and a fast pair of legs. Damn boars. This incident took place in November 2013 in Cherokee County, Texas, near Lake Striker. I lived in a cabin, and the surrounding land was owned by a fish and game club since the 1940s. My closest neighbor was an older man who had lived most of his life on this property. He would regularly remind me to take a weapon with me when I was hiking. I never paid him too much attention. I decided to go hiking that afternoon. At around 1 p.m., I was headed out the door walking past my neighbor's house and waving at him as I made my way off the trailhead. I hung a flag on the post to let people know I was hiking on that part of the property during the hunting season. No flags were on the post when I got there, so I know I was the only one on that particular part of the property. I continued on the trail about a mile to the first clearing where I usually crept around a corner before I got there. There may be some deer that I would stop and watch from a distance. This time there were no deer. I started to walk the clearing. The feed plot was set up by the fish and game club, and the lake edge was about 200 yards away. Then the normal animal sounds in the area got deathly quiet. I felt like was being watched by something in the woods. It just doesn't get silent like that. I immediately went on guard. At this point, I was standing in the middle of the clearing away from the tree line. I'll admit, I was scared. I turned around to see if I could retreat back the way I came from because I had no gun or weapon on me. I was ill-prepared to defend myself if I needed to. After I turned around, I saw that nothing was behind me, but not sure what was watching. I quickly walked back to the tree line. The moment I got back to the tree line facing the direction of the trailhead, I heard what sounded like a low, grumbling whoop to my right side. I froze, took a second to collect my thoughts, and started to walk right past where the sound came from. 
It was between me and the house. I made the decision to confront it, thinking it may be a black bear. They are rare in this part of Texas, but people see them from time to time. I am six foot two inches tall, and this is what you're supposed to do. A black bear, hog, wolf, or mountain lion doesn't make the sound that I just heard. I yelled, hey, this is my hill. Then it stepped out from behind a pine tree about 30 yards to my front and right. It yelled back at me. It was a lot bigger than me. It then took one step over the trail and jumped to the bottom of the wash. I could hear it running on two feet for a few seconds. I ran back to the house. My neighbor said he heard a deep echoing yell before he saw me running home. I was scared out of my mind. I did not go hiking again that year. I believe that it was a Bigfoot. It had auburn brown hair, was seven to eight feet tall, breasts and large canine teeth. It looked like what would fit the traditional description of a Bigfoot from the other stories I have heard. Because of the breasts, I assume it was female. Was it protecting territory? Were there younger Bigfoot in the vicinity? My neighbor told me that he had seen a Bigfoot in the area before, but not for several years. He was concerned that I would encounter a hog or more common animal on the trail. Back in 2015, our small village of Quino, Argentina, had several reported sightings of a winged humanoid creature. The local citizens reported sightings of a strange humanoid creature appearing in the middle of the night and then mysteriously disappearing. Reports of the creature spread quickly to local police who investigated but found nothing. Later, a fireman and friend, Sayez, and his police colleague were leaving the headquarters when they spotted in the street at night a strange black hooded figure that matched the sighting's description. The mysterious entity stood still and then suddenly vanished into the shadows. They followed the being until they saw it next to a tree. The figure was looking directly at them. It didn't watch them for too long. Seconds later, the figure opened its wings and flew away. My friend described the winged humanoid as six feet in height, very skinny, dark-colored, with a wide wingspan of approximately 15 feet. The wing structure was like that of a large bat. The eyes were large and flashed beams of light intermittently. The police later asked for help from the community to locate the mysterious entity. There were no other reports made public until recently. About two weeks ago, a visitor to our village reported a similar winged humanoid. He was stopped at a petrol station along Route of 60 in the village when this creature perched on the station canopy. The witness stated that another patron was there and witnessed the creature. The incident was reported to the police. I was told that the other witness was later interviewed. I will keep you updated on the investigation and whatever media reports come forward. Thank you. In the summer of 2012, a friend and I were in Algonquin Provincial Park. We were canoeing along the shore of Smoke Lake. It was quiet. No birds, nothing. And then I tap my friend on the shoulder and I say, Don't say anything, but look up above you. This was only about 40 feet above us. We could see every detail of these things. They were three huge birds, possibly thunderbirds, and they had beaks on them that were at least three feet long and a wide wingspan. 
They looked like small planes. They all flapped their wings at the same time, and you would just hear a swish noise. I didn't want to make any noise in case they saw us and came down at us. As we watched, the three birds vanished as if they flew into an invisible doorway. We were totally shocked. After that, I started seeing and experiencing so many strange things. I was coming home near Barrie, Ontario, from a friend's place. It was 11.30 at night. I wasn't drinking or anything, just drinking coffee. I saw what I thought was a child. I thought, what's going on? It's 11.30 at night. It's walking ahead of me to the right on this country road. So I drove up and realized that it was a little furry, upright creature. It was covered in fur from its head to toes and small ears. I believe that it was a juvenile Sasquatch. The reason I saw it so well, I drove right up to it. I had my high beams on and mounted spotlights. I could see it perfectly, and I kept bumping it with the truck. Not hard to hurt it, but I wanted it to turn around so I could see its face. It wasn't acting scared at all. I bumped into it four or five times, enough to make it turn around. Finally, it did. It had two rows of teeth with large canines. It also had cat-like eyes. It started to walk off the road. Now there were no ditches, no shrubbery, nothing. There was a farm near there. It started walking off the road and into a portal, not like the portals you see on science fiction shows. I couldn't see any ripples. This thing just walked straight through and vanished. After that, I have seen people and animals simply disappear in front of my eyes. It's been ten years of constant, unexplained encounters with people or weird animals. Each time they vanish, not returning or being seen by me again. Why is this happening? Let me begin by apologizing if this story is confusing or hard to follow. The events I'm about to describe were just as perplexing in real life, making it challenging to convey the exact sequence of occurrences. I was 16 years old, sharing a pull-out bed with my 12-year-old cousin at our beach house. Up until that point, I had never experienced anything paranormal at this location. One night around 2 a.m., I woke to find my cousin sitting upright, staring at the floor next to the bed with wide, unblinking eyes. Concerned, I asked if she was okay, but received no response. I followed her gaze, and that's when I witnessed something that I can only describe as an elf-sized shadow figure, approximately two feet in height, moving from right next to her to the other side of the room. This shadow figure appeared three dimensional until it reached the wall, at which point it transformed into a two-dimensional shadow and maneuvered around the corner into my parents' bedroom. I hurriedly followed its path, but found no trace of it in the room. My cousin still sat there, wide-eyed and jaw, dropped. I shook her gently, and she woke up, seeming somewhat confused. I inquired if she had just seen what I had, and to my astonishment, her description matched precisely what I had witnessed. She mentioned that she couldn't move or make any noise. My immediate thought was that this might be sleep paralysis, as I had experienced it before, and the situation was reminiscent of it. However, the puzzling aspect was that if it was indeed sleep paralysis, why could I see her experiencing it? To this day, we make jokes about the elf in the beach house. 
But deep down, I believe it still unsettles both of us to some extent. Have any of you had a similar experience? It was a tiring day in my college. It was a hot summer evening. I had just returned to my dorm room. My roommate and I had separate rooms and one common room or kitchen. I found that he wasn't there, so I didn't lock my room and just fell asleep. It was around 8 or 9 p.m. I later started to wake up feeling restless and having a blurry vision. My room was extremely hot even though the fan was on and the window was open. I took off my shirt and drank water from my water bottle. I checked the time and it was exactly 1, 11 a.m. I felt something was wrong and tried to stand up. Suddenly I got pulled up from the bed by my leg. I jumped back to my bed all confused and pressed myself against the wall. Still not fully conscious, I knew something was wrong. I tried to shout and call my roommate, but before I could do anything, I got slammed again into the opposite wall, this time by my shoulder. It felt like someone was trying to drag me into the wall by my shoulder and my bedroom door opened. I got dragged into an empty void. Now I woke up entirely covered in sweat. I didn't have a shirt on and my water bottle had fallen on the floor, but my door was closed. I was still confused and scared about what happened and I had a bruise on my shoulder. I checked the time again it said 1, 10 a.m. I was too scared to sleep alone after that, so I went to my roommate who was still online and playing games on his laptop. I tried talking to him, but he's too busy playing games. I ride my bike, and one night I worked a night shift. My ride home is through a giant field with a road going through it. People will often abandon cars here for one reason or another. So as I'm biking home, I see this abandoned car with nobody inside of it. Just a note. It was there when I started my shift, and the inside was almost completely gutted from thieves and whatnot, and one headlight was dangling out of the car. This time at night, after I passed both headlights, turned on at 10.30 p.m. It freaked me out, and I rode my bike home as fast as possible and locked all the doors to my house. It could have been thieves, but I saw no one around or in the car when the lights turned on. The weirdest thing I've seen, it was back on September 24, 2015. I was on vacation. I decided to take a little road trip to northwest Nevada and go to a campground. I've been to it a few times before. I got there well after dark. I set up a campfire so I had some light. Put up a little one. Man tent pulled out my chair, but maybe been sitting there 10 to 15 minutes watching the fire, watching the stars. Nothing better than the stars out there in Nevada. I was only sitting there maybe 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes and off to the west. Out the corner of my eye, I seen something flash bright. I looked in that direction off to the west, and as I was looking that way, something flew. There's a kind of small mountain range over there. A tall hill, something bright yellow, flew up above the mountain and it was flying so fast it looked like a giant's M. It left a trail, and I've never seen anything like it, but I went to my truck, 
grabbed my phone and hit record on the video. I was going to go back over to my chair to sit down in it, kind of brace my arms, and get a good steady hold on my camera. While I was, was moving the chair, the video was already going. I was trying to watch that direction to see if it flew out from behind the mountain. While I was looking over there, I noticed an orange orb, you know. There have been lots of reports of those. I'd actually seen one of those up close and personal a few years before that. That's another story. But I held up the camera, started filming that orange orb, and in the video it looks white for some reason. It was hovering. When I started filming, it shot down towards the ground, came to a quick stop. It zigzagged and then shot more towards the ground, and then it kind of got out of sight. Then they got, they got close to the ground before I lost sight of it. Then that bright yellow object behind the mountain kind of flew off to the southwest, kind of towards where the orange orb was. They moved way too fast, and it jumped from point to point, a bright yellow craft. When it was about halfway, about the middle of my sighting, something flew out of the back of the bright yellow object. It was wedge-shaped, and the yellow object zigzagged, much smaller. I can only see with my eye for a fraction of a second, but in the video, the bright yellow one headed to the southwest direction. Then it turned off towards space and jumped back and forth, and it was out of sight. Because of what I'd seen, I kept filming for like two and a half minutes total, just holding the camera still. Later on, when I got back, I watched the video, I don't know how many hundreds of times, but you could see that wedge-shaped craft come in and out of the frames in different areas at different times. There was at least three, if not four or five, things out there flying around, and they were kind of zigzagging across this valley area. I reported the sighting to MUFON, but they never got back to me. I'm a retired 62-year-old dairy farmer. Back in 1980, an old girlfriend and I wanted to spotlight some deer. Around 11 p.m., we turned on a road, and I turned the light on along the driver's side. At about 150 to 200 yards was someone or something walking in an alfalfa field moving up a slight hill. When I hit it with a light, it turned a little and looked at us. It was dark-colored from head to toe. I can't remember if there was any eye shine or not. It never changed its speed of walking. If it was a man, you would think it would have waved or something and would have probably had a flashlight. Anyway, my girlfriend freaked out and screamed to get the hell out of there. So I did. I got down the road about a quarter mile and realized that I had the binoculars right on the dash and in all the commotion, I forgot to use them. Just two years ago, I came across a comment about a sighting about the same year by a bow hunter. It's just down the road, about two miles from where we saw that thing. When Close Encounters of the Third Kind was released, my aunt was in town, me starting elementary school. I went with my aunt and grandparents to see it. Aunt Jane started acting all freaked out during the movie. I thought, whatever. She was the hippie in our uptight family. After we got home, Aunt Jean blurted out, Those were the things talking to me from my bedroom TV as a kid on the farm. 
My grandparents did the parental look, and finally my grandmother said, Jan, we didn't own a single TV when we lived there. They came to your window. That surprised me. My dad and mom moved into the farm after my grandparents built their new house. My bedroom was once Aunt Jan's. I never saw anything. My dad was driving from San Diego, California, to Lubbock, Texas, and while driving across White Sands Missile Range, New Mexico, yes, you once could cross. He experienced four hours of lost time, but had a full tank of gas on the other side. Skip to about three years later. The southern high-rolling plains of Texas near Lubbock had a serious amount of cattle mutilations, many across the railroad tracks from our farm. Home... Mom was a veterinarian and was called up by the sheriff to do necropsies. Zero footprints, not even the bovines. Zero blood on the ground, yet none in the animals. Reproductive organs removed and no bleeding around said wounds. Laser surgery did not exist back then. The press called it satanic. But if so, where was the blood and footprints? A full-grown bull is an easy half-ton plus gallons of blood. Yet not a drop was found. Taking a half-ton bull to the ground isn't easy, even for the best cowboy. We were told by the public school system that we were part of an intelligence test. It started in the sixth grade. USAF officers, my granddad was USAFF. I know USAF would show up two X per year and give us a test. There were only 14 of us. We all topped 160 on the IQ test. Outside of band or sports, we were sequestered from all our classmates. We had our own classes. I went on to work in hospital finance. Several of my classmates went to MIT and Stanford. I'm an American. Me and my ex were traveling down a simple highway in the countryside of Scotland. The highway we were on, A82, I believe, was situated in between Loch Ness and a forest. It was a narrow, winding road in a remote area. There had been nothing around for many miles, including other vehicles. We were both in quite a good mood, listening to a podcast or news radio in a happy space, like being on autopilot. Anyway, as we rounded a corner, an old woman appeared seemingly out of nowhere, and she appeared to be screaming at us and gesturing exaggeratedly toward the other side of the road. We were shocked to see her, obviously, and my ex tensed up but didn't react except to adjust our lane quickly. We were driving on the wrong side of the road. No sooner than we switched lanes and we made it to the next bend in the highway, an 18-wheeler came hauling ass. Around the curve, had we not moved over, we would have been dead on the spot. After we made it through this moment, we debriefed. My ex is a devout skeptic, and neither one of us had an explanation, and we never spoke of it again. The old woman had shoulder-length gray hair, and I, I don't remember what she was wearing, but she looked plain outside of her appearing spontaneously. I don't have a logical explanation of where she could have come from. I doubt that Scotland employs a special fleet of feral woodland traffic grandmas. It was a couple years ago around July. 
I started waking up with my blankets and pillows thrown off my bed, and sometimes, while I was going to bed, I would feel like I can only describe as pinching and zapping, like something was zapping me. But what made me extremely suspicious was I was reading a book one night, and I grabbed my cup of water on the side of the bed and specifically remembered drinking the last drop and putting it down on my dresser. I went to bed, and when I woke up, I went to school, and the day went on as normal. But when it was night again, I walked into my room, and my cup had been filled with water. I told my family about it, and they had no idea. I can't see them filling up my water, either. I was extremely suspicious, and I started sleeping with a Bible under my pillow because I always felt like something was watching me while I slept. I don't have a record of sleepwalking, so I don't think it's that, but maybe. I've been looking into it and can't come up with a solution. What do you think?